Hai Thai land, all of them uh, students from Burma, uh, ranging in age from about 23 to 50 something. I don't know exactly. Uh, but it was an emotional goodbye. Very emotional time to say goodbye to them and become very close to them. These students live in uh, different villages throughout Burma, uh, eight different language groups, different tribes, and some of them are normally bitter enemies, and yet they were not enemies while they were there at school, and uh, they learned through Christ to love one another, and, and uh, it was just a very wonderful time. You know, I was so impressed by these students, I want to show you a couple of their pictures. Uh, First of all, this slide is six of them. There's another slide of six more just so you kind of get a feel for what they look like and a little bit of their ages and, and that kind of thing. But so impressed with them. The first couple days we were together, we asked them to tell their personal testimonies, to share how they had come to Christ and how they'd grown up, what kind of family they'd had, whether their family was Christian and so on, and then, then to tell us why they wanted to be barefoot doctors and, and all of that. And as we learned these stories, we found out there was kind of a common thread here, that many of them, the majority of them, had been raised like some of us, many of us maybe, in Christian families or in families where their parents knew the Lord and wanted them to know the Lord. And so they took them to church, and they, they gradually learned more about Jesus. And at some point in time in their lives, like many of us, they decided that they were going to become a Christian. And so they... They responded when a gospel invitation was given, and, and uh, they, they were baptized into Christ and so on, and they started living Christian life. But by far, most of them also had this experience that it was for uh, some time before they ever really learned what that meant, what it meant to fully follow Jesus Christ. There was a period of time that they were Christian, they were going to church, they were involved in the church, they were assuming that they were Christians, feeling like they were Christians, and yet later on something happened or something changed, and they discovered, you know, I really didn't understand. I didn't really know what it meant to fully follow Christ. And after five or ten years, sometimes more, they finally got to a point where they understood what it meant to follow Christ, and they just dropped everything and started following him with their whole heart. And there was a radical difference in how they did that, and that led them then to make that decision later that they were going to serve Christ in a full-time way as a barefoot doctor when they had the opportunity to do that. They discovered what they didn't know before, and they finally got it, that following Christ is more than going to church. Following Christ is more than reading their Bible. Following Christ is more than praying, at least occasionally. That it means everything. It changes everything. Did you know that? Did you know that following Christ is more than going to church? I only ask that because I've discovered that many Christians today don't understand really what Jesus requires of us. We may have heard what he said about being his disciple. We may have even heard it enough times that eventually we kind of just slough that off. Like I'm kind of, kind of almost in, in, inoculated against that. I've heard it so many times, you know, what it'd be to do to be a disciple, to follow Christ, to, to be a Christian, that now it just doesn't register anymore. It doesn't have the impact that it did. And after you go and you hear things over and over again, eventually it gets to a point where it just doesn't have the power that it might have for someone who never knew Christ, and suddenly their life is totally transformed by Christ. Our lives may lack that spiritual zeal and that power 
that other lives may have because of the closeness that we have to Christ. So what did Jesus actually say about being his disciple? What did he say that it meant to to follow him? Well, he said it in Luke chapter 9. And he said it this way, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. When we hear these words, we simply can't pretend to follow Jesus. We can't just live the same way as the people around us because now Jesus is talking about denying ourselves. He's talking about taking up a cross. That's an instrument of death, you know, an instrument of of execution, that we die somehow and that we lose our lives if we want to, in fact, save them and find them. Those are pretty, pretty radical terms, pretty harsh words. And that's a far cry from the kind of kind of haphazard, lackluster discipleship that we sometimes see Christians living. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I sometimes read my Bible. Yeah, I sometimes pray. This is radical following Christ. Some of the disciples who became disciples of Jesus were first disciples of John, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. John 1 tells us about two disciples of John that took interest first in in, uh, John, and then when they saw Jesus... They wondered, who is that? And John kind of encouraged them to go check it out. I think that these two disciples that John is telling us about are Andrew and Philip. And then they're not named, but very immediately after that, he talks about Andrew and Philip, and he talks about what they did as a result of following Christ. So probably these are the two. And one day, after John had already baptized Jesus, some days later, Jesus appeared on the banks of the Jordan again. And John says out, Look, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And these two disciples are, are kind of intrigued. And so they approach Jesus. And they say to Jesus, uh, you know, Lord, where, where are you staying? And Jesus said very simply, he said, well, come and, and you'll see. Just come along. Come on, follow me. They went and they spent the rest of that day with Jesus. And then John tells us immediately after that that Andrew comes and he finds his brother Simon. And he goes up to Simon, who becomes Peter, and he says to him, we found the Messiah. And he brings Simon to meet Jesus. Soon Simon Peter becomes his disciple as well. And the next day, it says that Jesus started to go to Galilee, starts leaving the Jordan area, going to Galilee, and he finds Philip, who he's probably already talked to a couple days before, and he says, follow me. And it says that Philip immediately went and he found a third guy, this guy named Nathaniel. And he told him, we have found the, the one that the Moses and the, and the prophets have been, have been telling us about. Could it, could it be this Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, could he be the Messiah we've been longing for? And Nathaniel questions how the Messiah could possibly come from Nazareth, that, that back town. And he says, well, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And as soon as Nathaniel meets Jesus, he becomes his disciple too. John the Baptist was the last of the great prophets. He was the Messiah's forerunner who came in the spirit of Elijah, the Bible says. John's job was simply to prepare the way for Jesus, to to announce his coming, to prepare the way for what he said was the Lamb of God. His message 
was simple. He said, you need to repent. You need to turn away from your sins and you need to humble yourself before God and get ready because Messiah is coming. Repent and turn from your sins and get ready for God. Now, God did things right, I think, by sending John on the scene first to prepare people's hearts for what Jesus was about to do in their lives. This is where discipleship begins and this is where sometimes we fail to begin is to humble ourselves before God, to turn from our sins, to follow God with our whole heart. And it's only when we acknowledge and we confess our sins that we can humble ourselves and then follow Jesus who alone can save us. If we never really humble ourselves, if we never repent, then we really won't be following Jesus the way he wants us to. So I want to make two points today. It's really easy for you to hang on to. But something that's very important that all of us to make sure we get at this point in the story, when we see how our story fits into God's story. First point is this. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means that you have a personal encounter with Jesus. That you have a personal encounter with this person named Jesus. When Jesus had guys come up to him to check things out, maybe it was Philip and Andrew, maybe it was someone else. They wanted to know who he was and what he was about. He simply said to them, well, come and see. Come along. Just follow me. And he asked them to join him. Often, as he called his disciples, as we read in the other Gospels, he would go up to them and he would just simply say, follow me. And they dropped their fishing nets and they would follow him. They just spent time with him. They got with him. They spent days and weeks with him. It was an invitation for them to get to know him personally. Henry Blackaby wrote, There comes a time for each of us when merely talking about the Christian pilgrimage is not sufficient. We must actually set out on the journey. We can spend many hours debating and discussing issues related to the Christian life, but this means little if we never really step out and follow Christ. Andrew listened to John the Baptist, and he heard heard that there was a coming Messiah. Now suddenly... He's face to face with the one he had heard about that he yearned to see. Andrew's mind was filled with questions. He longed to ask, Blackaby says, but instead of entering into a theological discussion, Jesus turned and began to walk. He said, follow me, come and see. And Andrew's questions would not be answered by discussion, but by walking with Jesus. He encountered Jesus personally. Have you? Have you encountered Jesus personally? Have you had the face-to-face with Jesus spiritually where you really acknowledge who you are and who he is? Here is the beginning of being a true disciple. And here's, here's a big point I want to make today. I'm going to put it right up here on the screen. Christianity is not a set of teachings to understand. It is a person to follow. If you don't get that, then there's something right here. Just stop right here and make sure you get this right. Because it's not a matter of rules. It's not a matter of rituals. It's not a matter of of regulations. It's not a matter of a code. It's not a matter of of, uh, all the things that this church stands for or any church stands for. It's not a matter of knowing the Bible well. It's not a matter of getting all the scriptures lined up right and answering all the questions correctly. Christianity is a person. Christianity is Jesus. Christianity is Christ. And until you have met him and encountered him personally, you have not become a Christian. You have not become a follower of his until you have met him personally. As he walked with Jesus, Andrew watched Jesus. 
He watched him heal the sick and teach God's wisdom and demonstrate God's power by his miracles. He not only learned about God, he experienced God. He was rubbing shoulders with God. He was with him all the time. And Jesus showed Andrew and the other disciples hundreds of things that they didn't even know how to ask before. In the same way as we walk with Jesus, he's going to answer our questions and he's going to show who he is by us being there person on person with him. You ever had a personal encounter with Jesus? Or have you just kept him at a distance? You know, I see this happening. I see people coming to church. I see people that, that, that uh, are enamored with Christ and admire Christ, but he's always kind of at arm's length from them. Have you invited him to come closer? Have you invited him to come into every corner of your life? Have you gotten close enough to him that you can really have to humble yourself and let him see all the dirt and see all the, the uh, messed up parts of your life and see all the questions and the confusion and the doubts and say it's okay because he already knows me? Have you personally encountered Christ? If not, then come and see. Come and see that the Lord is good. As we read in the story this week in chapter 23, we read about a woman that was from Samaria, the Samaritan woman, and Jesus had a, a, a great conversation with her. It's in John chapter 4, if you want to look it up in the Bible. And as Jesus is traveling with his disciples, they, they don't skirt around Samaria like most Jews do. They, they go right into the heart of Samaria, a place that they normally would avoid. And Jesus seems to have kind of a divine appointment there. So he sits down at this well that Jacob had, had dug hundreds of years before that. And near there is this little village. The disciples leave him there. It's noontime. They go into town in order to get lunch. And he's left there alone, just sitting there. And this woman comes up, this Samaritan woman. She's there in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, when other women are not there because she's trying to avoid everybody else. She's got a lot of problems in her life. And we learn in the discussion, the conversation, that she's actually had five different husbands. She's living with another man. She's maybe per, perhaps the most immoral person of their town. She's the person that, that uh, would feel the most uh, uh, ill will and distance from other people. But she's out there getting her water in the middle of the day when no one else would be there, and she runs into Jesus. Doesn't know who this Jewish man is. And when he speaks to her, it, it shocks her. She says, how could you, a Jew, speak to me? I'm a Samaritan. That's not supposed to do that. And they have this personal encounter she meets him at a point they both have in common just getting water. But he taps into her curiosity by implying that he has something greater to give her than, than this water she came to get. He can give her living water. He can give her eternal water. He can give her an eternal supply that will satisfy her life. And it begins this conversation about spiritual things. And then he opens up and he says, I know who you are. I know, I know what your life is about and it's okay. It's almost confrontational, and yet he does it in such a gentle way that she's just wondering, what can this mean? She tries to distract him by throwing out questions that the Jews and Samaritans have argued about, about where the place of worship is, either Jerusalem or out here in Samaria. And he says, that's not the point. That's not what I want to talk about. Let's talk about you. Losing all thought of herself, she runs back to tell everyone else about Jesus. She says, this man I just met, could he be the one? Could it be the one we've been looking for? 
Come out and meet him. And she, she compels all of her neighbors to come out to the well and to meet Jesus. And Jesus stays there with his disciples for a couple more days, John says. And many of them put their faith in him because of the, not only the woman's testimony, but because they personally encounter Jesus themselves. You see, when you encounter Jesus, it changes things. When you encounter Jesus, you can no longer live the way you did before. And it changes this woman's life. It changes the lives of many people in her village. There's also a leper we read about this week. And the leper is uh, distanced from everybody. Of course, nobody can touch him. Nobody can have to do with him. He has to walk around saying, unclean, unclean, so that nobody would accidentally run into him. And he has to live out away from his own family, never to live with his family, never to have his job again. He's just going to eventually die. But when he meets Jesus, first thing Jesus does is he touches him. This man had been touched in a long time. But Jesus reaches out and touches him and he heals him. And he sends him back home to his family. He says, make sure you've, you've gone to the priest. You've been declared clean. You can go back home. You can go on with your life. And even though Jesus says, you know, don't tell everybody what I've done because it's not time yet for everybody to know, the man still goes back. He's so compelled by this new new life that Jesus has given him. He wants to tell everybody, and pretty soon there's just crowds of people around Jesus, and it's difficult for him to even move from place to place. But this is what a personal encounter with Jesus does. It changes you, and you want to tell other people what he has done for you. Ten years ago, Brian Welch was the lead guitarist for a new metal rock band called Korn. He had all the worldly fame and and the money and success that anyone could ever want. And it wasn't enough. He also had a methamphetamine addiction. He had an alcohol addiction. He had uh, suicidal thoughts frequently. His life was basically a mess. He looked good. He looked like everything was going successful, but his life was terrible. In 2004, a friend invited him to go to church. Never accepted that kind of invitation before, but he decided to go. And he heard some things about Jesus. When he got home that night, he snorted drugs again, and then he prayed. That's kind of an unusual way to come to God and have a personal encounter, take drugs and then pray. But that's what Brian did. And he prayed that somehow God would reveal himself to him. And within a couple of weeks, that drug addiction was healed. And in 2005, he startled the music world by quitting his rock band that he was part of. And, and he said, I just can't do that anymore. I can't live that way anymore. People thought he was crazy, but he had had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed the way he did things. That same year, he went with a church group, traveled to Israel, and there he was baptized in the Jordan River because he wanted to be baptized where Jesus had been baptized. Once Brian Welch discovered who Jesus was, it changed his life. He could no longer live as he's been living. He could no longer take drugs. He could no longer live the hard life he had of being on the road and even singing some of the songs that they had sung before. And so he changed. Even though he was still the same musician, he started doing that for God. And he started telling other people what he had discovered in Christ. He just couldn't keep quiet about that. He was just filled up with God. And he had to tell his friends what he had discovered, like this Samaritan woman like this leper, he felt compelled to go to ever tell everyone else what Jesus had done for him. So the first thing it means to be a follower of Christ is to have a personal encounter with Jesus. The second thing it means is that you have a personal testimony about Jesus. 
Like the woman at the well, Brian Welch couldn't stop talking about God. He continues to use the medium of music to share the message. He's written uh, and, and produced three different albums and also written a book, a book called Save Me From Myself. He told Christianity Today, my prayer is that people would realize how real God is and want to hunger after him more than anything in this world. I just pray that their eyes will be opened because I want the whole world to be saved. Andrew and Philip couldn't wait to tell others about Jesus once they met him. The Samaritan woman ran immediately to tell the people of her town about Jesus. The leper went home and he told his family and he told all the surrounding region, they tell us, about Jesus. And Brian Welch got it as well. He got this this filling of Jesus and he had to tell someone else. He understands the gospel now. He understands what Jesus has given him and he can't imagine not telling other people what Jesus has done for him. I want to tell you personal stories this morning of two guys that I met while I was in Thailand. The first one is called Malong Bolu. Bolu just means Paul. Notice how small he is, or how big I am, or something. They're all small over there. I don't know why that is, but the Burmese are small people. But this guy is an amazing guy. He's the oldest of five brothers. He's married. He's got all kinds of responsibilities, but God has put a passion on his heart for a people of a village many miles away from him that he never met before. He heard about them. He heard that they lived way up in the mountains uh, near Tibet, And so he decided to go see what they needed and see how he could tell them about Jesus somehow. So he and some friends packed up their their stuff they needed. It's a 10-day hike to get there through the mountains. And when you get there, they live up on the ice. Some of you may have read about that in the blog for the Barefoot Doctor School. And when they got up there, the people were living in winter coats year-round because it was so cold. They actually live on the ice in these big lodges. Their animals are living with them, and there's disease running rampant through their village. People are skinny. People are malnutrition. Uh, Just awful situation there, he discovered. Their kids don't have school. So he said, well, you know, I, I could start teaching them some things when I come. And so they let him do that. And I know a little bit about first aid because I took a first aid course a few years ago, Malong Balu says, and, and so they let him do that. And he tried to start showing the love of Jesus through that. He'd make these visits, and then he'd go back home for a few months. Then he'd make another visit, and he'd do that a couple times a year. And he's still continuing to do that. But he ran into these situations of people so sick, and he didn't know what to do, that he said, I've got to become a barefoot doctor so I know what to do for their medicine, and then maybe they'll let me share Jesus with them. They're very resistant. They have a very strong Buddhist presence there, and most of them are Buddhists, and, and they just, just really didn't want to hear that much about Jesus, but they're opening up very gradually. And his goal, his, his dream is that someday he can share Jesus with them. He's risking a lot even to go there. It takes a lot of effort, but he is driven by this passion for people that he's going to keep going back until eventually, if he succeeds, that whole village will become followers of Jesus Christ. The second guy I want to tell you about is Saul. Saul El War is his name. He's married with children. He's in his 30s. He's one of the Karen tribe, but he believes God has sent him to another tribe, tribe that normally he'd have no association with, in order to share the love of Jesus with them. The tribe that he's gone to now with his family is Buddhist also. 
and there was such resistance there that 15 of the Buddhist monks got together and they wrote up a document and they presented it to him as his official document that says you must stop talking about Jesus. You must stop telling people about the Bible. And they presented in this document, but the people that he was teaching said, we still want to hear what you have to say. We're still interested. And so Saul War says, uh, well, I'll set that document aside because God's called me here for a purpose. And he's still preaching. He's still teaching. And he's still trying to lead people to Christ. He realizes that in that village also there's a lot of disease, a lot of uh, physical needs, med- medical needs, and nobody there to satisfy that. So his desire is to become a barefoot doctor so that he can help them. As soon as he goes back home uh, in March, he'll be able to start doing some of the things he's learned already. This is a very intelligent man. This is a man that did not become a Christian until he was about 25. So he's been a Christian a few years now. And he had a hard time becoming a Christian because his personal encounter with Jesus said he didn't have any family to do that. He lost his parents when he was very young. He didn't have anybody in his family that believed. But somebody, when he was in an automobile accident, started talking to him while he was in the hospital. And he started hearing little things about Jesus. And so he started checking him out. And he got to his Bible, got a Bible, got some other Christian books, and started just researching everything he could. And over a period of about two years, he finally came to faith in Christ. But it was a struggle because he was such a smart man and had a hard time accepting some things for a while and eventually decided Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. And now he has this smile. Uh, I don't think I ever saw him without that smile. (laughs) He's just filled with this joy, filled with this peace. And he wants other people to know that. It comes from Jesus. If your faith is real, You want to share it. When Jesus changes your life, you want to tell your story. You want everyone else to know the peace that he's given you. You want everyone else to know the joy that he's brought to your life. And even though you don't have all the things together and you don't have everything perfect and you have struggles like everyone else, you have Jesus. And Jesus makes the difference. And so I want to ask you this morning, have you had that personal encounter with Jesus? If you haven't, that's where to begin. That's where it's got to start. The rest of it doesn't matter. You, you focus in on that. Have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? Don't assume that you have just because you go to church. Don't assume that you have just because you've read the Bible. Don't assume that you have just because at some point you decided to become a Christian and you did what you were told to do to become a Christian. You, you walked down an aisle. You made a public decision. Maybe you were baptized into Christ. Whatever it was that, that someone told you to do, Don't assume that you had the personal encounter just because you've done these things. Have you met Jesus? Have you gotten face-to-face with Jesus? Have you you acknowledged your need for Him? Have you opened up every part of your life to Him? If you haven't, that's the place to begin today. And don't go any further than that. Just, Just stop right there and get this personal encounter with Jesus because that's the beginning point of true discipleship. That's the beginning point of following Jesus. If you have had that personal encounter, then what is your testimony? What personal testimony can you share? It could be about when you first came to Christ. It could be about something that he's doing in your life today. But if you are filled with Christ, then you are filled with this this desire, this passion to tell someone else what he's done for you. If he's really done something for you, then there's a story to tell. 
And never underestimate the power of that story, of that testimony. Your, your story, your testimony can be the very tool that God uses to open someone up someone, someone else's heart. And, and it may be the story that resonates with their experience. And God has you in that place just to tell that story. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be that you were the, you know, the, the far-gone guy like Brian Welch, you know, and you're so deep into everything, didn't look like anybody could ever turn your life around. It could be much simpler than that. But it is your story, and you can tell that story in simplicity but with power. Just tell people what Jesus has done in your life and then point them to him. Jesus meets all kinds of people. He dealt with the leper. He dealt with the Samaritan. He dealt with people that no one else wanted to be around. And so as he starts filling our lives and our hearts with that love, then we're going to meet people and we're going to go places that we would not choose to go. These people were marginalized people. These were outcasts. And sometimes what Jesus inspires us to do is to go to the outcasts and to go to the marginalized and the people that no one else wants to be around. It may be a person in your office that everyone else avoids. It may be someone at your school that everyone else avoids. It may be someone in your neighborhood that, that the whole neighborhood you know, just doesn't want to deal with. And God's love inspires you to be that person that goes to them. Jesus' compassion will compel you to touch the untouchable. We are not responsible for whether or not they make a decision. We're not responsible for the results, but we are responsible for telling our story and pointing people to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest. We don't need to have all the answers if you're worried about that. You just need to know that Jesus is the answer. And Jesus will answer the questions as they come and experience him and encounter him personally. I want to pray for you today, this morning, as we, we conclude. I want to pray, first of all, if you've not had that personal encounter, that you would. Secondly, if you have, that your personal testimony will just be dying to get out of you. And that you'll want to share that with the people around you. Let's pray together. Father, we come into your presence with a very sincere prayer, a very simple prayer, that there are those here today that have never encountered Jesus personally, that they would do that. May even do that in these next few minutes. But if they've never encountered Jesus personally, that they would know that that's the next thing that needs to happen in their life. They would not let this day go past until they have met Jesus. Lord, it is so important, so critical that we know who Jesus is and that we come to know him as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, sincerely as I possibly can for everyone in this room to have that personal encounter with Jesus. Lord, I pray also for those who have had that encounter to be filled with your joy, be filled with your peace, be filled with your Holy Spirit so that they would have this passion to share what Jesus has done for them with the people around them, people they know, friends and family and 
co-workers, classmates, neighbors. But also, Lord, fill us that we would want to go to the people that are in the outskirts and people that are, are avoided, people that are even shunned. Because that's who Jesus sought out. It's amazing how many people were drawn to Jesus that no one else wanted to, to have anything to do with. Zacchaeus climbing up into that tree just to get a glimpse when no one else wanted anything to do with Zacchaeus. Those prostitutes, Lord, one thrown the feet of Jesus, caught in adultery. She expected condemnation, but she found healing in life. Those people who wanted to, to eat and, and drink with Jesus and the goody two-shoes uh, just were so critical that Jesus would spend time with people like that. Help us, Lord, to be filled with your compassion. Help us to be filled with your grace and to seek out those people, to give them our story, to share Jesus with them. I pray for your blessing today upon us. Whatever next step we may need to take, that we would not avoid that, we would not be distracted by all the business of our lives, but that we would get down to business, what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus and to live that life first and foremost. Everything else will follow. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.